If it's news to you, it's important to him. This is The Big Five with Elias Makos from Montreal's News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Welcome to The Big Five on The Elias Makos Show. Yes, indeed, it's me, Elias Makos. Here with you for the next three hours, we kick things off with The Big Five. On today's Big Five, Quebec's Anglo universities get even more backup. Plus, Montreal's quality of life comes at a cost. Before we do that, I've got a great shout-out this morning. You can always send me shout-outs, shout-outs at cjad.com. Today's shout-out for Grandma Lena, celebrating 102 years this week. Happy birthday, Nana Lena. Lena Wilding was born in Glasgow, Scotland, in 1921, came to Canada in 1954, raised her three girls in Laval, where she lived and still does for most of her life. Let me tell you something. What does she do every day? She looks forward every day to her cookies and an occasional glass of sherry. But this goes to my idea that eating cookies every day means you'll live to be 102. Shout out to Nana Lena on making it to 102. Okay, on the Big Five this morning, two lovely, spectacular women that put smiles on my faces. On my, um, a smile on my face, I should say. I have one face and one smile. Justine McIntyre. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You know, it's one of those mornings, guys. Uh, Justine McIntyre is strategic consultant, former city councilor. Hi, Justine. Good morning. And my question is, is it the cookies or is it the sherry? I know. Is it could be the sherry every now and again, you know, (laughs) just lubricate everything. Just a little bit. bit. We're looking at that accent coming out from Justine McIntyre. There you go. Uh, Carolyn Kotze is with us. You heard her before, a founder and chief equity officer of Women in Governance. Welcome back, Carolyn. Good morning, Elias. Good morning, Justine. Morning, Good morning. Morning to all of you. And, and happy anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary. Happy two-week anniversary to this story. It was on mm-hmm. this show. It was two weeks ago today where we got the note, oh, this is coming. And it did come the next day. The government made the announcement the next day about out-of-province tuitions. Now, this story has not gone away. New, new detractors of the plan keep speaking out. This time, it's the heads of French language universities. Here's what they say. Any measure that would put the very existence of a university at risk or weaken it to the point of impairing it must be excluded from the discussion. Uh, period. These are the heads of Université de Montréal, Université de Laval, Université de Sherbrooke, Polytechnique, HSA, writing this in an open letter was published in La Presse on Wednesday. Uh, let's listen to some more voices here. Uh, first things first, Daniel Jutra from Université de Montréal. I think uh, presenting them as a problem or as a threat to French language in Quebec is problematic and is incompatible with a perspective of openness that we want for our universities. We have a great reputation around the world as a cosmopolitan city that welcomes uh, uh, welcomes everybody, and that includes out-of-province students from the rest of Canada. Speaking about these things in the right language is very important, using the, the, the appropriate uh, description of these students as assets to our programs, not not as a threat. With With all the voices, especially the Francophone voices, saying this plan is a bad idea, how can the government hang on to this? Justine? I think it's really interesting to see how the narrative has slowly swung around and it did take a bit of time. I think people wanted to really think about it, but it did uh, eventually swing around to Elias, our point of view, really. I Mm. mean, this is what we've been saying from the beginning. 
Uh, we've been talking a, a lot on this show about insularity and the fact that this government, by, by proposing measures like this, is really just doubling down on Quebec's insularity when really what we need to do is move in the opposite direction. And one of the things that this letter points out is how we qualify students who come from other provinces. Instead of qualifying them as students, right? We're, we're, we qualify them, or not we, not we, the three of us here, but the CAC government mm -hmm. in proposing uh, this, this change in tuition qualifies them as a threat to French, as freeloaders, as cash cows. And, and when you start to, you know, separate populations and say, well, these people are to be qualified in this way, it's because you're getting ready to do something to push them out. And what we really need to do is to bring them in. Uh, and to see them as, as the quote we just heard, to see them as assets, to see them as a part of the our, of our Canadian population, which we're still part of Canada, that we want to bring in, that we want because they're contributing to our reputation, they're contributing to the excellence of our education system here, they're contributing to making the whole network of universities better and broader, and ultimately are creating ambassadors. So. You know, two two things, though, in this letter that were brought up and that are not being addressed by the proposal. One of them is how can we do better in terms of making sure that students that we bring in who are receiving a subsidized education, that they understand the benefits of Quebec society and, and that we make Quebec society attractive to them so that they want to stay. Mm -hmm. That's number one, because we're not doing a good job at that. And it's true that I mean, I, I went to McGill. I'm a McGill student. I came here and I stayed. Why did I stay? Because I integrated into Quebec society, into Quebec culture. And I already had a knowledge of French. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the people that studied with me that came from other provinces, from Ontario or elsewhere and studied with me, didn't because they didn't integrate. They didn't have that opportunity. So mm -hmm. that's somewhere where we need to do better. Carolyn, um, one word that uh, stuck out from what Justine said, reputation, right? And I, th I think you're someone that you know does a fair amount of traveling and you hear all about Montreal's reputation. Give mm -hmm. me your thoughts here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I echo everything Justine just said. One of the words that stood out for me in what she just said was insular mm. and how we need to stay away from this. And there are very clear reasons. And I'll do like a parallel with the work that I do with corporate companies, corporate organizations to say, you know, you need to have more diversity. You need to attract and retain people with diverse backgrounds. Why? Because there's ample research that demonstrates that when you've got difference of perspectives, people coming from all walks of life, from all different origins, etc., there is more innovation. There's different perspectives that will bring you to better decision-making, better creation of products, of services, etc. So what we're trying to do here is ensure that we have a more robust economy, that our society is stronger. And this is not going to happen if we marry our cousins. So let's open up <laughs> our doors. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you know what's interesting here is that it's the French universities that are coming out. What is mm -hmm. the government telling them? They're telling them we're going to do this and we're going to give you $20,000 to fund your French language institutions for every foreigner that an mm -hmm. English uh, institution takes. And they're like, guys, that's not what we're asking you. We're, we're against this plan. So I think right. that's very telling, very telling. Let me just pull And up. this comes, yeah. 
Go, okay, this, go ahead, Justine. Yeah, just one last thing, because I had said there are two things in the letter, and that's the second thing that Caroline, Caroline just pointed out, is that they said the funding, if we really want to look at funding, the problem is that we've kept our tuition so low for Quebec students, and because nobody wants to touch that, it's a political hot potato. And sacred by the way, cow. Hello, sacred cow <laughs> sacred alert. Cow. Exactly. Touching and by tuition? the way, I think that this is great for Quebec. Like, I think it's great that our students have a low tuition. But it means that, you know, there's that gap that needs to be filled, a funding gap that needs to be filled. I just want to play something here before we end the, the, the discussion on this one, because we did hear from Eric Girard. He was pinned down in the hallways of the National Assembly yesterday. Have a listen to how he punts on this one. I fully understand their concern. That's why it's important that uh, Minister D, who is responsible, is talking to these people that are disappointed. There was a meeting last Monday with McGill. The message was uh, given loud and clear. It's really up to Minister D to gather this information and react at this point. So Minister for Anglos and Minister uh, Finance Minister, he's got nothing to say. He still has nothing to say on this. It's like, here, here's the ball, Pascal Derry. This is yours. Mm -hmm. Doesn't want to touch it. And I, and, I think, and, and I think that that actually speaks volumes about this whole affair. The stories making waves in Montreal. The Big Five with Elias Makos. From News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Putting a smile on your face with cheeky jokes about marrying cousins. It's the Big Five on the Elias Macko Show. Carolyn Codsey and Justine McIntyre on with me this morning. Let's continue the discussion here, guys. And so let's talk about this. I actually now I think it's related. I actually just changed the order of the of the Big Five this morning. So the latest edition of Compare Montreal. That's from the Institute uh, Institut du Québec, uh, released yesterday. And it analyzes Montreal and it compares Montreal with 14 other North American cities, similar size. You know, think of the Bostons and Torontos, San Francisco's of North America. So in a nutshell, Montreal is the quality of life champion, but our productivity and our wealth, it's the pits severely lacking. So, you know, it's and it turns out Montrealers have fewer university degrees than other cities. That's part of it here, too. Right. And you think of all of our universities and then you think about what it leads to. Right. So, guys, now I'm putting things together because isn't it interesting? We And Justine, you had brought it up like uh, people come here and they study here and then they leave. Right. And they're not integrating. And I say to myself, well, maybe it's because they finish their degree and there's no good paying jobs. And there's no opportunities for wealth. And they say, geez, I'm going to Toronto. I'm going to Boston. I'm going to New York. M maybe that's what's happening here. And I guess the other question is, you know, what's, you know, university students, they love coming here and they're like, wow, this is the best city to live in. It's so affordable. I mean, still, you compare to other cities, it's affordable. And what a great way of life and the joie de vivre of Quebec society. And then they still take off. Is it possible that these things are diametrically opposed? Can you have high quality of life and high productivity at the same time? And is that maybe a reason why Montreal is lagging? Carolyn, let's start with you. Yeah, I think you can have high quality of life and high productivity at the same time. I think what would help is to have decent roads and access and good uh, transportation. Because I, you know, I see what's going on. It's getting worse and worse, and I see the road rage, and I see people losing patience, and I see people missing meetings, and I see the impact, the negative impact on environment. We need to talk about that as well. So, you know, I, I feel there's a very clear plan to get drivers to be disgusted by taking the road. So what are we going to do? Are we just going to stay home? I think it's important that we're 
booming. We're to, on the one hand, uh, the Chamber of Commerce is trying to attract people back downtown. And on the second hand, you can't park, you can't drive, you can't get anywhere. So the hours that are wasted, we could be doing something much more productive. And the negative impact on, on environment, this is where I get kind of taken aback. It's, there is a contradiction uh -huh. with you know the city of Montreal trying to do more for the environment, yet we're just spending hours in traffic and, and uh, creating... Um, But this How is how do we say that? We talked Carolyn, about this uh, the other day, uh, Elias. We might be like yeah, the heat islands, but but chicken and the, the egg, heat. right? So what comes first? Yeah, like do, don't you need wealth first before you can build better roads, better facilities? And and uh, you know, this comes to other discussions, like the quality of our infrastructures, not just roads. And I brought this up when we talk about sports stadiums in the city. Mm -hmm. Look at Montreal's football facility, soccer facility, baseball facility that no baseball team wants to play in. You know what I mean? Uh, all of our facilities, our tennis structure, they're all substandard compared to these other cities we just talked about, the Torontos and New York. How about and, our airport? Our airport. So, but airport. Wh what comes first, right? Don't you have to build wealth so that you can build these nice, shiny things? So, Justine, chicken or egg, how do you do it here? Yeah, we do need to build wealth. And that's the thing about Quebec is that we still have this suspicion of wealth and wealth creation. So we're we're very much focused on quality of life, affordability. <clears throat> and it's interesting that we're top of the list in those areas, like in terms of wealth inequality between the haves and the have-nots, we've really managed to reduce that very, very well, very nicely. So we're top of the list for that. But then when it comes to actual disposable income, Well, we don't we don't have as much disposable income as those other cities. And I do think that those two things go together because as a society, uh, we've made a decision that that's where we want our focus to be. We want our focus to be on reducing inequalities rather than to be on creating wealth. And I don't know that those two are compatible. Mm. Maybe theoretically, Elias, to answer your question, maybe theoretically, but in practice, Like, let's look at San Francisco, which is diametrically opposed to Montreal. Yeah. Tremendous inequality, yes. tremendous inequality there and tremendous wealth creation. So is it possible to have both? I'm not sure. And I think that, like, I don't think so. I think theoretically, maybe, but I haven't seen it practiced. <clears throat> and I, so I think that what we see often in Quebec is that, yeah, people come here, they get their university degree, and then they go make money somewhere mm -hmm. else. There is definitely a brain drain phenomenon Um, I myself lived in Seattle for six years. We mm -hmm. went there to make money because my husband works in the in the field of he's a, he's a computer engineer. So at the beginning of the 2000s, there was a huge opportunity for anybody working in that field uh, to go and make money in the uh, uh, on the West Coast. We went to live in Seattle and we made a conscious decision to come back to Quebec because we We're seeking this type of a lifestyle. We wanted a lifestyle that that emphasizes quality of life over wealth creation. Uh -huh. And many expat Quebecers that we met over there said, I'm never coming back to Quebec because they didn't want to have to sacrifice their ability to make money. Yes. Uh, in order in order to tax, to be taxed and to order to be able to fund these social programs. So it is a social choice, a societal choice that we've made. To me, number one in Montreal, honestly, is the safety. And for someone who lived in Paris mm -hmm. and in Beirut mm -hmm. for many, many years, I think this is what's to me most attractive. And for anybody who wants to raise a family, 
it's it's next to none. I mean, it's 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 very you know in terms of sports and in terms of uh, um, the, the yeah. nature and and yeah. So I I've I've said what I had to say about what was negative, but I I want to emphasize. Well, this. yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let me tell mm-hmm. you something. That, that it's a tricky. It, this is a tricky discussion about what what pathway is best. I know people mm-hmm. that you know that move to LA, career, money, advancement. Then they had the kids. And then they moved back to Montreal because they That's said, right. wait a minute, it's a quality of education for a decent price and all and safety and raising a family. I'll take mm-hmm. it there instead of the, you know, the, the greener pastures, greener dollar signs of uh, of, uh, mm-hmm. of of America. But for for each one of those stories, maybe there's three or four of the people that decide to stay in the States. Right. And not come back to Montreal. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting thing. OK, let, let's get to healthcare here. Uh, we're finding out more details on what was behind the open letter from four, six former premiers against the health minister, Christian Dubé's health reform and the creation of Santé Québec. The effort apparently pushed by the head of the Montreal Heart Institute, fearing a loss of autonomy and more centralization and an important lobbying campaign connected to wealthy donors. So um, let's let's talk about this one. Uh, I see you nodding your head here, Carolyn. What are your thoughts on this? Because you know, six former premiers, you got to take you got to take what they have to say uh, with a bit of importance. But also, you have a healthcare system that was managed by those six people very poorly, and and a current health minister that needs to shake things up. So, what do you say, Carolyn? Right. So, first of all, very impressive that six premiers come together. I think, as you said, it's definitely worth listening to now you know we we can criticize and say they did not do a good job when they were there for the healthcare honestly it's not like anybody has the 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 the, the pathway to success uh with healthcare but what they're um talking about is the quality so we're trying to be more efficient the the, the CAG government is trying to be more efficient in healthcare and what they're saying is that we're going to lose in terms of quality of service quality of research and that there's you know, got to be um, also keeping in mind uh, the financial challenges that this could potentially bring. Because the philanthropy piece, we all know, we've all been to these charity balls, we've all given a lot of money. Uh, and if that goes away, I, I can't see how all of a sudden we're going to get better care. Because yes, there's what the government does with our taxes for healthcare, but it's all those private donations that often, you know, are, are, are huge amounts that yeah. we don't want to see going away. So we need to think if we're jeopardizing also uh, clinical benefits from research um, or to be more efficient. What does more efficient mean? Is that, yeah. you know, we're going to be faster getting appointments, but then the, the, the care that we're getting is not at the level that. And, and, the, and privatization, which comes into the mix, too, in all of this uh, as well. Justine, uh, your thoughts? Mm hmm. This letter is really about uh, philanthropy. It really is. Uh, They're concerned because if you group everything together and you make this one big beast called Santé Québec, it's not really attractive for people to donate their money because they're going to feel like it's just going into the government bureaucratic sinkhole Mm -hmm. rather than going to something that's important to me. Let's say like you know, somebody, somebody's uncle was operated, had had car- cardiac surgery at the Institut de Cardiologie, came out and, you know, they saved his life. 
that's really inspiring then to go and make a donation to that institute, knowing the money is going to go there and it's going to help other people who, like my uncle, received life-saving surgery and so on. I'm making this up. It's not my uncle didn't receive surgery. But but the point is that people give to a specific program. They give to they give because they are touched uh, personally and emotionally by the story that is being put forward by a specific area of research or a specific institute. So by grouping them all together, it becomes much less interesting. So we're touching on that very sensitive funding point, and that's why we've seen Lucien Bouchard and, and others come out and say, don't touch this. And it's reminding me also, though, Elias, of the uh, of the school board debate when they got oh, rid of oh, the yes. school board. yes. Right. Yes. It's the same thing. Yes. It's saying, look, we each we each have our own thing and we were the ones who know our territory best. We know our population best. We know it's good for us and we know how to manage it. So please don't, you know, uh, group us all together under the same umbrella because we're all actually very specific. And at the time that that change was made, uh, of course, the English school boards had an exemption. But the French school boards were all absorbed right. into this new into this new system. And I, uh, at the time, was spokesperson for La Ligue d'Action Civique, and we spoke out against that. We spoke in favor of the specificity of each school mm -hmm. board. Uh, so, you know, there's something to be said for retaining specificity. And I think that they're going to have to look very carefully at making sure that that that's taken into account in uh this new in this new law. One more uh, item for this morning, guys. I want to talk about this. Uh, Quebec uh, says they won't be moving the safe drug use site in St. Henry. Uh, residents, parents in St. Henry next to this elementary school uh, don't want this site there. Have a listen to Lionel Carmel, the uh, uh, junior health minister. We need the shelter. We need the housing. Is it better to do it in the street or is it better to do it in a supervised environment? And we need to have people talk, help, uh, public health, uh, the, the organization and the parents and the school to make sure that everything is, is in place properly. The housing is right there. The housing is right there. Les logements, ils sont juste là. We're not going to move the, uh, the housing. We're not going to move the shelter. What we need to do is to make sure that the, the use of drugs is properly supervised. So we're going down the same path as other places in Canada. We're following their exact playbook and hoping for different results. Uh, my opinion on it, guys, I'll give each of you around 30 seconds on this one. Uh, this place is, is going to go there next next to the school. Uh, your thoughts. Justine, you go first. I think his I think the minister is asking a false question when he says we need the shelter, we need the housing. Everybody agrees on that. So my thought on this is that the parents so far have been incredibly empathetic, incredibly understanding. This should not be 100 meters from a school. It's going to attract when you have an inf a safe injection or safe inhalation center, it attracts a certain population and you don't want that population to be next to schools. That's it. Nobody's questioning the need. We're questioning where it's going. Last word goes to you, Carolyn. Well, I'm questioning the fact that this is opening in November and the minister, the junior minister is saying, well, that's it. Decision's been made. So mm -hmm. I think we should have talked about this probably sooner. I pass in front of it every day going from my home to my office. And I've when I found out what this was going to be, I was very surprised of, of the location. And I don't know who gives these people the advice of saying, OK, this is a good location for, for something like this, I, I, I'm very concerned. And, and I just want, I want to point out for the residents, right, uh, the housing element, there doesn't seem to be any opposition to the housing element. No. It's all no about the supervised, the safe drug use site. 
where every time that pops up, it leads to more drug use in the streets, not less. I'm just saying. But we'll see how it shakes down this time around. Got to leave it there. Ladies, thank you so much. Mwah. Catch the Big Five weekday mornings at 9.05. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800 in Montreal.